If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to that passage and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a church at Corinth and uh, one of the concerns that they had was their spiritual gifts. And there were some that were being misused and as those gifts were being misused, it was causing confusion in the church. There was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of, I wish I had that gift and this gift is more important and all those things. So what he did was he wrote really chapters 12 through 14 dealing with this issue of spiritual gifts. And in dealing with that, if you looked at verse 12 and verse 27, just sort of a bookmarks as to bookends as to where we will be today. In verse 12, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. In verse 27, in verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. In just those verses, he lays out that we are the body of Christ. And in this is one of the images of the church. And as we go through these verses, verses 12 through 27, there are really three words that I want you to think about. And that is unity, diversity, and interdependence. Unity, diversity, and interdependence. And when you think about the body of Christ, those three are so key because there is to be unity, there's diversity, and there's interdependence among all the believers. And so let's walk through this passage and get an understanding as what does it mean to be the body of Christ. Paul uses this analogy of the human body to portray both a unity of how there's a oneness in your body, there's a diversity because there's all different members, cells and organs in your body, but yet there's also this amazing interdependence. You know, a body is not just an aggregate of a bunch of individual parts, but all of these parts are related as an organic whole. The Bible, the, excuse me, the body has numerous systems. We have our respiratory system, circulatory system. Uh, we've got a digestive system. You've got an immune system. All of these systems that we have in our body, they are interdependent. That means they depend on each other for proper functioning. Your respiratory system, you breathe in oxygen. That's how you get oxygen. The circulatory system then delivers that oxygen to your muscles. These work together. And when everything is functioning well within the human body, then you feel good and you've got good health. But whenever things start breaking down and things don't start working well, or there is a problem in this system, then it will adversely affect this other system. Then all of a sudden, you begin to see some breakdowns in your health and even in your life. But there's such an amazing diversity of organs and cells within your body, and yet they all work together for the good. And they work together for a strong, healthy body. The Bible says that the church is like a human body. It's the body of Christ. That's what we're called. But it works similar to a human body. And that there is a unity, one body. There is diversity, a lot of different members. But there is an interdependence that we depend upon each other's. 
And then he, just, he begins to build on this in verse 13. And in verse 13, he says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So he's, he's speaking to a church that is fractured right now. They're going through a lot of dissent. And he says, hey, 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 listen, we're all one body. We've all believed in Jesus Christ. We've all been baptized in his spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit. And he says, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free man, your ethnicity may be different. Your social status may be different. But in the church, we are one. And we transcend everything, ethnicity, social standing, gender, all of that. We all come together and we are one. And that's what he's reminding the church. Listen, you are a unity. You are one. And then... He comes to verse 14 and he says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. It's not just one member, but it's many. And then he describes it. He says, because I am not, but if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And what if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Only when all the parts are properly arranged and functioning do they comprise a body. And when some parts are lacking, then you've got a problem. Now, hopefully you're already beginning to pick up on this. From a physical body, it is so important for there to be a unity because there will be a diversity of members and there's that interdependence. It's true in the human body and it's true in the church. And Paul's trying to make this clear to this church at Corinth. And so in order to make it clear, he kind of has a little bit of fun with them. And, and he, he comes and he knows that some of the members are bragging about their particular gifts, and some of the members are upset because they don't have that particular gift. I sure wish I had your gifts. I wish I was like you. And he says in verse 15, he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. So what if the foot looked at the hand and he says, you know what? Since I'm not a hand, I'm not going to be a part of the body. A foot and a hand. Which one has the higher position in the body? Well, you could argue for the hand. You know, the hand's got a whole lot more dexterity. Now, some of you may be trained to pick up a lot of stuff with your toes, but not many of you. My hand's got so much more dexterity, I can do so much more with it. And some say I couldn't talk if I didn't have hands to move around, okay? But your hands, they move. For the most part, your hands are uncovered. But your feet are usually always covered. You got socks, you got shoes, you got something. People don't really see your feet very much. When people talk about parts of the body and they talk about your hands, they say, oh, it's such lovely hands. You don't have a lot of people say, ooh, love those feet. You don't get that very, very often on that. When it comes time to washing, if somebody came by and you said, hey, I need a little help. Can you help me wash my hands? You oh, great. Someone else walks up and says, hey, I got some nasty feet. Would you be willing to help wash my feet? Most of you would go, well, I'm not so much into that. Hands, feet. Feet, I don't know. Hands, they seem like they've got, the, got a good deal going for them. 
You know, I grew up uh, watching a TV commercial, and I went online to find out how long it played. It played for 27 years. Can you believe this? Okay, how many of you remember Madge and Palmolive Dishwasher? Look at all these people. Madge, the manicurist. I couldn't stand that commercial. I mean, for 27 years. And, and I know I've asked for forgiveness because Madge just got on my nerves. I just didn't like, the, I didn't like her accent, didn't like her when she spoke and everything. But what she would do is she would talk about getting your nails soft and your hands being real nice. And sure enough, the lady who's getting a manicure, he, she's soaking in palm olive. She's, you're soaking in it. That's her famous line. But, you know, I never saw a commercial on a foot that was soaking in something soft. Have you? For a woman, you don't ever see a commercial that says, oh, your feet, this is what we want to do with your feet. How about a man, a man's hands? Well, you do a man's hands. What's it always? Picture of a rugged man's hands. He's working in the dirt, working in the soil. Uh, he's uh, changing the oil, changing a tire. He's got grease under his fingernails. He's got those rugged hands. And you remember the product that we grew up with that you'd wash your hands with? Lava, lava. Remember that? Lava soap. It's got pumice in it. It's the only thing that can get those hands clean. That's the hands. You see a commercial for a man's feet, it's one of two things. It's, he's either got some nasty fungus or he's got some gross-looking blister on his foot. That's it. That's what the foot gets. And so in this illustration, Paul is saying, hey, the feet are saying to the hands, hey, if I can't be a hand, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to belong to the body. Because, you see, I don't get quite the same perks that you do so I don't want to be a part of the body. Well, then he comes, look at verse 16. He says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. The ear and the eye. Now, there we go again. Which is better, the ear or the eye? Well, you know, you, you began to think about it, and the eyes kind of got a lot of, lot of advantages on there. Uh, I remember uh, doing research at one time where it talked about what made men attractive to women, what made women attractive to men. And it's amazing that in both of those lists near the top were the eyes that people looked and they said that sometimes uh, a man would be attracted to a woman because of her eyes or at times a woman be attracted to a man because of his eyes. Never once did I see it where it said ears. I never, I've never seen anyone say, I love those ears. You got the best ears of anyone that I, I have seen. You, you just don't, you don't see that. You don't see a whole lot of people complimenting ears, but you see all the time people complimenting eyes. And, and with eyes, there's so many different things. There's different colors. You know, you can have brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes, hazel eyes, all that stuff. Ears, hey, it's either big or small. Uh, I mean, they're either sticking out wide or they're pressed in tight. Uh, there's not that much to go with. And see, some of you don't believe me. Okay, you ready? Right, every person here, take out your driver's license. Okay? Right, reach in and get your driver's license. See if you've got it. Check the expiration date. Uh, for a couple of you, Monday, you'll be downtown. All right, if, you pull out, if you pull out your, uh, your driver's license, and if you've got one like I've got, Alabama license over here, uh, if you look in the right-hand corner, it has four things there. It's got height, weight, eyes, and hair. Okay, you got that? Height, weight, eyes, and hair. Now, under eyes, it's got color. You put the color of your eyes. There's a couple things I noticed when I looked at my driver's license and probably yours too. Probably three out of four of those things are not true. (laughs) With the only thing being true, 
is the color of your eyes that you, that you put right here. The rest has not been updated. Is there anywhere on there that you see ears? Ears are not located anywhere on your driver's license. You don't go on there and put ears, big, small, whatever. And so the ears, they feel like that they're not as good as the eyes. And since they're not as good as the eyes, I don't need to be a part of the body. Now, I know that we can kind of laugh about, about all of this, but do you know, this is the way a lot of us are in church. It's because we get here, we join, we become a part of a local fellowship, and we hear people talk about giftedness and spiritual gifts and, and skills and things that we're supposed to have and things we're supposed to be used to build up the body of Christ. And we look around and we say, well, I can't sing like so-and-so, I can't speak like so-and-so, so I'm just not going to do anything. It's the same thing. If I can't be an eye or I cannot be a hand, then I guess I'm just not needed on there. And see, that is just so wrong. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about is that some people were just getting mad and they were checking out on their responsibility saying, I don't need to do anything because I am not like the eye and I'm not like the hand. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? You think an eye is so pretty? What if the whole body was just an eye? That'd be grotesque. He said, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God arranged the members in the body. So God has arranged the members in the body at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. He has arranged these members. And he says, and if all were a single member, then where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Many parts, diversity, yet one body, unity. And there is an interdependence because we depend on each other. The eye needs the ears. The hand needs the foot. The nose needs the mouth, and on and on and on. There's an interdependence that is there. You see, the sovereignty of God has you a place in the body of Christ. And if you're a member of Shades Mountain Baptist Church, he has you a place right here. Everyone has spiritual gifts, and it is essential that those would be used. And so we find unity here in our corporate body. But because of our interdependence, there's a strength in our diversity, Now, keep that in mind. Unity, we're all one in the Spirit. That's good. But where our strength comes is in our diversity and our interdependence. Because, you see, everyone is not a hand, and everyone is not an eye, and everyone is not a nose, and everyone's not a finger or a a toe or, or an internal organ. We all are different. And because we're different, that diversity, that interdependence works together, and that's how we function. And God made a human body so that those many cells, many organs, all of those things will work together to have a wonderfully healthy functioning body. And that's the way he wants the church to be. And so Paul, talking to a fractured congregation, is trying to straighten them out on here. And he says, you will find unity within this corporate body. You know what that tells us? Again, I've said this before, nothing in scripture teaches Lone Ranger Christianity. There's nothing in scripture that says when you make a decision for Christ, you should just stay in your room, don't ever connect with the local church, and and just say, I'm going to live out my Christian life this way. 
That is anathema. That is nowhere in Scripture. Because it says once you become a believer and you follow Christ, you need to find a local fellowship and be a part of it. You need to be part of that body. God desires that you be a part of a local body. We'd love for you to be a member here, but it's not here. There are lots of other great churches here in Birmingham. You need to be a member. You need to, you're a part of the body of Christ. And so he says, you come together, and once you come together and you join into that body, then you become interdependent with all the other people. you got talents and gifts to offer for the good of the body and for the good of others. And so, but then in verse 21, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So on one hand, we've got me over here feeling so bad because I feel like that I'm just a foot and not a hand. On the other hand, we've got the guys that are the hands, and they say, I don't need you as a foot because of my great gifts and how good I am. We have no need for you over here. Paul says that's wrong. He says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, watch how he does this kind of juxtaposition. Those that you think are weaker are indispensable. You think your thumb is weak? Get rid of it. Have you ever tried to just operate through life when your thumb is all messed up and you can't use it? That's difficult. There are weaker parts of our body, he says, but they are indispensable. And then he comes and he says, verse 23, and on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Many believe he's talking about internal organs. Listen, you can't see your stomach. You can't see your liver. You can't see your pancreas. You can't see your intestines. You can't see your heart. But Man, those things are mighty important. And so even though they're not getting, getting all the visual stimuli out here, they are of great importance. And he says, we bestow the greater honor. And then he even says, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. And so even those parts that are not presentable, he says, we treat those with greater modesty. And when we treat them with those greater modesty, we are showing that they are important. And into verse 24, but God has so composed the body, that word means to mix or unite things together, so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We are all placed here for a purpose so that we may care for one another. Listen, when I read that passage, what that, one of the things that shows me is that you have got to forfeit the excuse of when someone comes to you and says, we would love for you to plug your life in over here at the church or find what your gift is, your skill is, uh, to build up the body of Christ. Do not come and say, well, I can, I can just do. I can only this. You ever said that? I know I've done that sometimes in my life. Well, I can just do. You know, once I start getting into that, well, I can just do, I can only, I begin to limit the scope. And as I limit the scope, I then downplay what gifts and talents I have. Don't say that. What you say is, I'm wide open. What is it? What is it, Lord, that you want me to do through your body? You have saved me. You've redeemed me. You've transformed me. I become a new creation in Christ. I join into a local body. So God, what is it? I am a member of the body. What is it that you want me to do? You have shaped me a certain way. How do you want me to get involved here in this body? 
And so Paul lays it out here. And when he lays it out, he talks about, it's not just a matter of what you do, it is the matter of the fact that you are connected and interdependent. And when you are connected and interdependent, it means that whenever someone suffers, we all suffer. And when someone receives glory, we all rejoice together. Verse 26, he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's a solidarity in suffering and a solidarity in rejoicing. And you know what I'm saying is true. When you become a part of the body, and let's say you become a part of this church, when one member suffers, we all suffer. Human body, you slam your finger into the door, is the only thing that hurts you is just that little finger right there? Or does your whole body feel it? Tell me, whole body, you're completely miserable just because of that pain in that one digit of your finger. But then rejoice. When something good happens in one part of the body, the whole body rejoices. Yes, I know I'm crazy, but I'm training to run another full marathon. And in order to do that, Friday, I had to run 18 miles. And then when I finished 18 miles and got back home, had some lunch, rested up to, to give me a gift, Janice and I went to a movie. And as we were going to the movie, you had to get a large Coke and popcorn. For most of y'all, I don't think that's in your training regimen. Hey, when you're 60, don't worry about it, all right? So, what, so I did. I had not had a Coke. And I love a cold Coke. I put the straw in the Coke. I was walking away from the counter. I took one sip. I stopped and looked at Janice. And I says, this is incredible. My entire body rejoiced. <laughs> It was the hallelujah chorus that was streaming from all of my body because that one sip of Coke, my whole body seemed to have enjoyed it. When you are connected to a body, when one person stands up and they share something God has done in their life, I tell you what, we all rejoice with them. But when someone in this church walks through difficult times and they experience pain, we all experience that pain. And sometimes we don't know what to say. All we know to do is just walk up to them, put our arms around them, or just to tell them that we've been praying for them. But there's a part of us that gets hurt. Every day I get emails, updates, hospital reports. Uh, I read every one of the tear-offs that you put here. And it just, at times, just breaks my heart when I see what some of our members are going through. And, and it's the truth for any person here that when they hear about something that someone's going through that's a difficulty, there is that pain that we all feel because we're part of the body. We're part of the body of Christ. And that is why when people go through difficulty, people are on the outside are always amazed at why does the church come and minister to these people so much? It's because they're part of the body and we feel that pain. And that is why I think one of the pictures that were shown up there is, uh, is when the Hills came back and celebrating the fact that they had picked up their child in international adoption and they come into the uh, Birmingham airport and there's a crowd of people standing there rejoicing with them. Why are they doing that? They're a part of the body. And we rejoice with them. Well, after the Apostle Paul talks about this, if you can turn to the left, the book of Romans, real quick, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, Apostle Paul talks about these gifts that he has given us. 
starting in the fourth verse. He says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ. Okay. A lot of diversity, but there's unity, one body in Christ and individually members, one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. End of verse 6. He says, this grace has been given to us, let us use them. We have these gifts. He said, let us use them. Let us use them. These gifts have been given let us use them. And that's where the third purpose of the church is. And that is this, mobilize members in ministry. The third purpose of a church, of any local church, is to mobilize members in ministry. That is, it is part of our responsibility to find out where it is that you need to be plugged into the body of Christ that will build up the body. So let me just real quickly tell you how you do this. Number one, every member is to be involved in ministry. Every member is to be involved in ministry. But let me give you a definition of ministry so you don't think, oh my goodness, we got to sell the business and come and work for the church. Not at all. Look what it says. Ministry is using who I am and how I was created to help somebody else in the name of God. Look at that again. Ministry, using who I am and how I was created to help somebody else in the name of God. And that can happen in myriad numbers of ways. So here's some basics. First of all, you are created for ministry. It's the way that God made you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at that verse. We are his workmanship. That word means like a masterpiece, an artwork. We are God's workmanship. He has created you. And how did he create you? He created you in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. How? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has already got works prepared for you. God's done the work. He's created you for this. You have been created for ministry. God created you to make a difference. He did not create you just to be a consumer. He created you to be a contributor. He didn't just um, create you to sit on your blessed assurance and let life pass by. But what he did was he created you so that you could make a difference in the world and that you could build up the body of Christ. Every one of you, every one of you, He didn't go one, two, three, you're out, three, four, five, boom, you're out. No, every one of you, every one of you is created for a purpose. And God has set you apart for that. We are created for ministry. Second is that you are gifted for ministry. You're gifted for ministry. First Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received a gift, each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You have been gifted for ministry. And last of all is you are needed for ministry. In Ephesians 4.12, when he's talking about some of the gifts, he says here, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. You are needed to build up the body of Christ. It's not just that the church needs workers. 
It says, each one of you has tasks to perform for which the Holy Spirit has recruited you. And all these tasks are for the sake of building up the body of Christ. And you can do that, and you can do that in the local church. I know this uh, today, we've got the Super Bowl coming up, and I remember reading a definition of football. Somebody says, how do you define football? Someone says, it's 80,000 people who are in great need of exercise, cheering on 22 men who are in great need of rest. Sometimes a church can be the same thing. It is thousands of people greatly in need of spiritual exercise cheering on staff and volunteers who are in great need of rest. There's so many things that can be done through this church. And every Sunday, it almost takes a 1,000 volunteers just for us to do what we're doing on Sunday morning from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock. When you think about the parking and the ushers and the greeters and the musicians and the teachers and the directors and on and on and on and on. And there's so much that needs to be done through the church. And that's where every member comes in. And that's where every member needs to find out what is it that I am supposed to do. Well, that comes to the second point, and that is that every member can know their ministry. Do you believe that? Every one of you can know your ministry. No longer will it be a surprise. You can know your ministry. And for $19.99, if you'll just send me your card, I'll give you a phone number. And you call, you'll have your ministry. Well, actually, it's about that easy, but it's free. And that is, we have an assessment tool called Divine Design. And in that assessment tool, you can go online, do an assessment, And it will give you a servant profile, not a profile that we built, a profile that God built within you. This is who you are. And in this servant profile, it will identify five things, five elements in the profile. Number one, it'll develop, it'll show your passion and your life experiences. That will determine where best for you to serve. Your passion, what is it that really turns your crank? What is it that you really love to do? Life experiences. What is it that you have experienced in life? For some, you have walked through cancer. Maybe God wants you to help others walk through that. For some of you, you've even walked through bankruptcy and come out on the other end. Maybe there is a need there. For some of you, you've gone through some difficult times in relationships or in marriages. And for others, you've seen some success in these other areas and these life experiences. So you put your life experiences, your passions together, and that pretty well determines where best for you to serve. The next two elements are spiritual gifts and skills. Spiritual gifts and skills. Skills are natural abilities that you have. Spiritual gifts, well, spiritual gifts are special abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design. And God gives you these abilities in order to build up the body of Christ. And he talks about this in 1 Corinthians, he talks about it in Romans, and talks about it in Ephesians, and lists all these different spiritual gifts. And everybody has one, okay? Everybody has at least one spiritual gift and maybe more. So if I learn what are my spiritual gifts and also see what my skills are, that determines what I will do, okay? I can see where best for me to serve. And then it'll still specify what I am supposed to do. And then the last thing that that assessment tool will show is your personality style. Your personality style. You introvert or extrovert? A risk taker or not? And as you look at your personality style, it will show you how you will serve. And so when you look at those five areas, it is how you are created. And when you, and when you find out exactly how you're created, what your servant profile is, you will then find a place within the body of Christ 
that you can pour your life into that will build up the body of Christ. It's pretty cool. It's the way that God built you. And when that means, when, if you go with the way that God built you, it means that he will place you in a place of service that you will enjoy and that you will thrive. You just need to understand, if you sat there and in your honest moments, you sat down with me and says, Danny, if any child is below five, I can't stand them, okay? I, I, hey, I love kids. I have no patience. I don't want to work with them. You're not going to go through this assessment. We're going to look down there and say, hey, two-year-olds, worship care, exactly where you need to be. Not at all. It will plug you in exactly where we can find a spot that will fit in exactly what your sweet spot is. And there has to be one because it says that God composed this membership together and he put all these members together. They'd be interdependent. So there's a spot for you. Let me tell you a story about Ashley Grisham and our church. Ashley Grisham it says she'd taken spiritual gift inventories in the past, and, uh, but she just really wasn't certain exactly what it is and where it is that God wanted her to work. So she went through the divine design assessment. And she went through the divine design assessment, and it dealt with her life experiences, and it also came back with the spiritual gifts and her skills. It, she said it put it together, and it turned on a light bulb. She said, I grew up in Yazoo City, Mississippi. And in Yazoo City, Mississippi, I went to school that was 65% African-American. And so I was taught early at an early age about racial equality. And she said, in fact, even when I went to college, I began to do research on the civil rights movement. And so that has always, always been kind of a burden of mine and, and even a, a passion of, of mine uh, to do that. And she said, and then in 2007, the church offered a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class, and she took it, and she said, and it transformed my life. I did exactly what Dave Ramsey said, and in two years, I was out of debt. And after those two years out of debt, it completely changed the way I looked at my finances. It enabled me to be able to financially uh, do some things that I never thought I'd ever be able to do, and it was just such an amazing freedom. And then in 2010, she said the church introduced Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, an African-American congregation that we're working with on the West End, and we played a video, and it was uh, Dr. Wesley sharing his, his vision for transforming the West End. And when she heard that, she said she was so excited, she contacted Kim Hancock, who was responsible for, for member involvement, and on our staff, she contacted Kim, and when she contacted her, she says, man, I, I, I want to sign up. I've got to figure this out. And so she goes, goes through this divine design, and interesting enough, as she goes through divine design, Kim calls her back, and she says, guess what? At Greater Shiloh, they are starting a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. It's a fledgling ministry, and they need somebody to teach a class. And in 2011... Ashley Grisham signed up and began to teach Financial Peace University at Greater Shallow Missionary Church, a predominantly African-American church. And she does it in the spring, and she does it in the fall, and she's done it these last couple of years. How about that? Took her passions, her life experiences, her skills. It's interesting because I looked at her at her at the uh, chart that had her spiritual gifts, and she got spiritual gift of administration, encouragement, and wisdom. Think about administration, 
encouragement, wisdom to sit down and talk to people about their finances and lead them through this course. It's like a perfect match. She sent me her story and emailed it to me. And let me tell you the last few sentences she said. I can't help but think that without the knowledge I got from divinely designed, I may not have put all this together and I might have missed one of the biggest blessings of my life. Because she wasn't serving God just to do what was good. She served him to do what was best. And it's been a phenomenal experience. So you can tell what your ministry is. And let me close you with this. Every member's ministry is important. And I want you to keep this in mind. Why is it important? Number one, you'll be fruitful and fulfilled in a meaningful place of service. You will be fruitful and fulfilled in a meaningful place of service, just like Ashley Grisham. And number two, the church will be strengthened and will grow in maturity. For you, you'll be serving exactly where you need to serve in a fruitful place. And in the meantime, the church will be strengthened and will grow in maturity. It's amazing. It's the way God planned it. Just the way he planned and structured and created your human body to have unity for there to be a diversity of members that were all interdependent on each other. And when each system is working good and everything's functioning the way it should, you got good health and you're feeling great. Same thing in the body of Christ here in this church. There's a unity. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're here. There's a diversity. Look around. A diversity in, in ages and, and uh, socioeconomic and, and race and gender. All of that diversity comes together to where we are interdependent on each other. And when we work together and we take the way that we're gifted and we plug in to the ministries of this church and beyond, it's a win for the kingdom. You'll be in a fruitful position and fulfilled in your place of service. And the church itself will be strengthened and will grow in maturity. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the way that you have created us. And I thank you that, you know, for salvation through Jesus Christ is such an amazing, wonderful gift. But then you don't just stop there. Because once, you've, once we've made that decision to receive Christ as Savior, you give us an opportunity to be a part of that body of Christ and to use the way that we were created, how you put us together, how you knit everything together within us to be able to serve you and to strengthen the body. We thank you for that, Lord. And so we want to just pray today that as, as we have taken in the things that have been shared with us through your word, that your spirit will speak to our hearts. And Father, help us to, to respond in whatever ways that we need to respond so that we can bring honor and glory to your name and we can strengthen the body and move it towards maturity. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.